0: Amen. Well, good morning again and welcome to Liberty Church. We are so glad that you're here today and to our online audience, we want to welcome you uh, as you join us literally around the world today uh, here in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today I am very excited. We're going to begin a brand new two-part series entitled Our Inheritance. And uh, we're going to begin to talk about today, what does it mean to begin to exercise our rights and our responsibilities and what would it really look like if we began to walk in and walk out our inheritance that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. How many of you understand today that if you are a child of God that you have a divine inheritance, amen? Uh, You have already been given some amazing things and we're gonna talk about that and kinda unpackage that today and really kinda begin to understand what does it mean that we have an inheritance in Christ and how can we begin to walk in and walk out that inheritance in a way that it really begins to change the world for the glory of God. So in the book of Galatians chapter four, if you've got your Bibles, we're gonna read verses one through seven. And the Bible says this, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything that their father had. I wanna just reread that last phrase and just kinda move the words around a little bit, give you maybe a little more clarity. It says, those children are not much better off than slaves, even though they actually own everything their father had until they grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to grow up. Now, come on, say it like you mean it. Come on, you need to grow up. How many of you understand that there's a reality that we need to grow up, right? We need to grow up in Christ. How many of you realize this morning that immaturity will rob you of the opportunities that God wants to give you. Immaturity will rob you of the opportunities that God wants to give you. The Bible says that a child who inherits everything is no better than a slave until they grow up, right? And so we've got to grow up in the things of God and we've got to begin to mature in what God is desiring and longing to do in our lives. And look at verse 2. It says, and they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father sets. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, Jesus, born of a woman, subject to the law, and God sent Him to buy freedom. Y'all say freedom. Freedom. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. Now look at verse 6. And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out. Abba, Father. I want to just pause right there for a second and give you some good news today. Let me give you some of the best good news of the gospel that you can ever hear. And here it is. We live in a world today where many people have been left out or maybe even put out of their own families. Right? We live in a world today where people are struggling to find their place. In a world where we are so socially connected through internet and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, we are still very much disconnected. And I talk to people and hear people all the time talk about how that even though they live in a connected world, they feel like they don't We had an opportunity yesterday uh, as we were knocking on doors in Holly Pond. one of our teams was ministering to a lady and she literally made that statement. She said, I have yet to be able to find a church where I felt like I belong. Let me give you some good news of the gospel. You belong. The good news of the gospel is that you belong. The good news of the gospel is that the Bible says Jesus purchased our freedom so that we would no longer have to be slaves of sin, slaves to the law, slaves to our past, slaves to our shame, slaves to the guilt and condemnation of yesterday. He purchased our freedom so that we could become the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. What did Jesus do on the cross? He paved the way for me and you to be adopted into the family of God. He purchased and paid for our adoption. He opened the doors of heaven. He created a spiritual family called the body of Christ and now he invites me and you in. The good news of the gospel is there's a place you belong. I want you to understand you belong here. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter even what you smell like. (laughs) Doesn't matter where you've come from. Doesn't matter what you've done. You know what matters is that there is a God in heaven who loves you so much that he sent his son to purchase your freedom and to create a pathway of adoption and celebration for you to come in to the family of God. I don't know if you've ever been a part of an adoption, but let me tell you what happens when somebody gets adopted into a family. It's a great big party. Right, you don't mourn in adoption, you celebrate an adoption. You don't mourn in adoption, you celebrate the fact that this child is now a part of your family. And I want you to understand today, there is a celebration in heaven going on today because Jesus 2,000 years ago paid the price for your adoption so that whosoever will can come and they can find a place where they really do belong. You belong in the family of God. And if you don't have any good news to share with your coworkers when you go to work tomorrow, just tell them there's a place they belong in Jesus. You wanna give somebody some hope, just tell them there's a place they belong. You don't have to be left out and you don't have to be pushed out. You can be brought into the family of God through a simple thing called faith in Jesus Christ and you and I can enter in to an awesome relationship with God. And here's a great thing, a relationship with others that can only come from knowing Jesus Christ. Why? Because he purchased our freedom so that we could be adopted into the family. And I don't know about you, that makes me pretty happy today. Verse seven says this. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You're no longer a slave, a slave to sin, a slave to the law, a slave to shame, a slave to the mistakes of yesterday, a slave to the guilt and condemnation that tries to keep us bound and in bondage. You're no longer a slave, you are now a child of God. You wonder where some of these awesome worship songs get their lyrics from, they just come right out of the Bible. (laughs) No longer a slave, we are the sons and daughters of God. And since you are his child, look at this last part. God has made you his heir. What's an heir? An heir, really, give me, I'm going to give you a simple definition. An heir is a person that has a right to receive everything that's been promised. An heir is a person that has a right to receive everything that has been promised. That's why the Bible can make this bold statement. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and Amen. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen why because Jesus purchased our freedom so we could be adopted as his children so that we could become heirs of God and have a right to receive not because of what we've done but because of what he's done everything that God has for us So you're an heir And you have a right to receive everything that God has for us. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. And the last part of that verse says this, to the glory of God the Father. That's a pretty important part. To the glory of God the Father. Why is that important? Because God is glorified when you walk in and walk out your inheritance. God is glorified when you walk in and walk out your inheritance. As a matter of fact, if you flip the coin, God is dishonored by the fact that we're living way below our inheritance. It dishonors God. It dishonors His name. It dishonors His kingdom. It dishonors all that He represents when we live way below the standard of our inheritance, our rights, our privilege, and opportunities that we have in Jesus. But all the promises of God are yes and amen through Christ Jesus, our Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because when you begin to walk in and you begin to walk out the inheritance that Jesus Christ has given us, all of a sudden it brings God glory. And it honors his name. Let's look at the next scripture. I want you to see this. John chapter 1. It says, the one who is the true light, speaking of Jesus, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, speaking specifically here, the Jewish people, and even they rejected him. But well, look at verse 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right. Y'all say the word right. He gave the right. to become children of God. And they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Look at verse 12 again. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. All who believed him. Believed what about him? That he is who he says he is. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to come to God except through him. You've got to believe that he is who he says he is. But you also got to not only believe that he is who he says he is, you have to accept him. And I really believe that comes down to kind of two specific things, and there's probably more than that, but two things I want to share with you today. Number one, you have to accept the fact that his sacrifice on the cross was for your sin. It was for your sin. As a matter of fact, it was your sin and my sin that put him there. See, you've got to accept the fact that his sacrifice on the cross was for your sin. It was your sin that nailed him to the cross. It was your sin that he walked down that road to Golgotha and he climbed up Calvary's Hill and he gave his life between two thieves. And he rose again on the third day. It was because of your sin and my sin that he suffered, that God laid on him the sins of the world. That includes me and you. And you've got to not only believe that he is who he says he is, but you've got to accept the fact that his sacrifice was for your sin. That comes down to acknowledging that I'm a sinner. <laughs> That's one of the greatest revelations you'll ever get in your life. It's not that you're a bad person, you're a sinner. I remember Samantha was young. She was about four or five years old. We were sitting around the dinner table one night and we were doing a devotional. And, uh, and I looked at Samantha. I said, Samantha, do you realize you're a sinner? And with little innocent tender eyes, she looked back at me and she said, you're a sinner too. (laughs) And she's right. (laughs) And so we got to believe that he is who says it, but we also have to accept the fact that the sacrifice of his his life on the cross was for my sin and for your sin. I've got to accept his sacrifice, but not only do I have to accept his sacrifice, I have to accept his lordship. See, Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And he actually can't be your Savior unless he is your Lord because let me tell you what you need to be saved from. You not only need to be saved from the past penalty of your sin, but you and I need to be saved from ourselves. We need to be saved from ourselves. And the reason we need to be saved from ourselves because if you think about your life before Christ, you are on a self-destructive path. Right? You were on a self-destructive path. It wasn't that the world, the flesh, and the devil were doing you such a bad job. You were messing yourself up pretty good. And let's just be really, really honest, even as Christians, when we begin to reject the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the direction of the Word of God, and the insight that God brings into our lives through godly people, we will, if we are not careful, return back to a self-destructive path that will undermine and under, under, undercurrent everything that God is desiring and wanting to do in our lives. See, I need to be saved not only from my sin, I need to be saved from myself. And here's a revelation. Jesus can't save you from yourself unless he's Lord of your life. Because unless he's Lord of your life, you're still making the choices and the decisions. And you will by default destroy yourself. Well, Pastor Keith, you don't know me. I'm a very successful person. Yeah, I've met a lot of people that have destroyed themselves through success and prosperity. It's not just drugs and alcohol. It's not just poverty and pain. And if you'll be honest, you know people just like that yourself. You know people today that are so far away from God because they're extremely prosperous and successful and they have destroyed themselves through their own pursuit of prosperity and wealth. And if I can just get the bigger house and the nicer car and have the finer clothes, then somehow one, way, some, somehow one day I'll really be happy. And we understand it never makes us happy. And we end up destroying and hurting the very people that we love and care about the most. In our pursuit of happiness. Why? Because we, by nature, will self-destruct. And so I have to accept Jesus not only as a sacrifice for my sin, I have to accept him as my Lord and my Savior because the only way that he can save me from myself is if I allow him to be the Lord of my life and begin to make the choices and decisions over me that govern my life. Paul said it this way, my life is not my own. He said, I am crucified with Christ. and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I realized a long time ago, Keith left to Keith is a bad problem. (laughs) I'll just be honest with you. None of us are as good as we think we are. And we need the Lordship of Jesus Christ in order to save us from our sins and also to save us from ourselves so we can walk in what God has purpose and planned for our lives. But the Bible says if you believe that he is who he says he is and you accept the sacrifice of his sin and and you accept the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life, then God gives you the right to become the children of God. And you get to be born again, the Bible says. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. It says, verse 11, and furthermore, because we are united with Christ, because we believe that he is who he says he is, and we've accepted the sacrifice of his sin and the lordship of his life over us, we are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Look at that first point on your outline if you're taking notes today. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are heirs of God and we have received an inheritance through Jesus Christ. Who are you today? Well, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are a child of God. You are the son or the daughter of the Most High God. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and you and I have received a divine inheritance from God. Everything that God has promised to us through Christ Jesus, His promises are now yes and amen. Why? Because we are the sons and daughters of God. more important than who you are is whose you are. (laughs) And when you begin to recognize whose you are and you begin to realize you are the son or the daughter of the Most High God, you are an heir and you have received an inheritance through Christ Jesus. Now look with me in Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, the Bible says, in one Sabbath day as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent down for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. And then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she Praise God. What an understatement. How she praised God. How many of you know there was a praise fest going on that day when this woman who for 18 years literally the Bible says had been bent over. This was the condition of her life. She walked like this. She talked like this. She lived like this for 18 years. Tormented and oppressed Jesus said by the devil himself. A evil spirit had oppressed her and for 18 years she walked around bent over. Could in no way straighten herself up and Jesus in encountered her and jesus touched her and jesus made her whole and the bible says from that one divine encounter with jesus christ she went from being bent over to standing up straight and oh how she praised the lord when i meet somebody that doesn't have a praise i wonder if they've ever had an encounter I see people that are ashamed of the gospel, ashamed to tell their family, ashamed to tell their friends, ashamed to tell their co-workers about who Jesus is. And I just begin to wonder, have you been so far removed from your encounter with Jesus Christ that you forgot how you were stained by sin? You forgot what it felt like to be bent over by the shackles and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation and the weight. And all of a sudden, one day, you cried out to a holy, just, righteous God. And in His mercy and in His grace, He reached out His hand and He touched you. and he raised you up out of the pit of despair, out of addiction, out of brokenness, out of depression, out of pain, out of sorrow. And oh, how great our praise should be. We ought to praise him, amen. We ought to praise him every single day because how many of you understand that your salvation experience was not the end, it was just the beginning of your encounter with God? Man, I've been straightened up more times than I can count, (laughs) I've encountered him so many times. And over 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 and over, over, he shows up and he shows out. He heals, he redeems, he rescues, he provides. He encourages, he comforts, he strengthens, he blesses, he loves, he forgives, he cares, he carries. He does so much in our lives. And oh, how we ought to praise him. Oh, how we ought to shout his name. Oh, how we ought to celebrate him. I was bent over, but now... Now I stand tall. Woo! Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Yeah, we ought to just have a praise fest in here. If you've been delivered, if you've been healed, if you've been set free, you ought to just get on your feet right now. You ought to just shout. You ought to just dance. You ought to just celebrate who He is, how good He is, how great He is, how awesome He is, how mighty He is. He is a great God. Woo! And oh, how she praised Him. May we never forget and may we never stop encountering and experiencing the resurrected Savior. If you're so far removed from your last encounter with God, you need to cry out today. Salvation is great, good, and wonderful, but it's just the beginning of what God wants to do in your life and how she praised him. Look at verse 14. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant. He was angry. He was mad that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, she said to the crowd. He said to the crowd, come on those days to be healed and not on the Sabbath. Let me just give you just a side note today. If you are so religious and so legalistic that you're more concerned about your rules and regulations than you are concerned about the people that Jesus came to save, then we need to repent. Just because God doesn't work the way you think God ought to work, if God's at work, let him work. I mean, come on, if God's at work, let him work. I am convinced we have not yet begun to see the ways God is going to work and the people that God is going to use and the avenues that God is going to go through because God loves people, God loves souls Jesus died not in vain but on purpose to redeem the world that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved and God will use little things and big things, God will use silly things and foolish things, God will use people you thought would never be used and God will use people you thought he should have used and God will do everything in between and when he does the work that he does we ought to give him praise, amen. We ought to give him praise. (laughs) Verse 15 said, the Lord replied, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Each of you work on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out to water? Look at verse 16. For this dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, I want y'all to say that with me. A daughter of Abraham has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released? Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath day? Look at that next point on your outline. I want you to see something. Jesus implied, Jesus implied that this woman had a right to be healed, delivered, and set free because she was a daughter of Abraham. Shouldn't this daughter of Abraham, isn't it right that she be healed? Isn't it right that she be healed? Isn't it right that she be delivered? Isn't it right that she be set free? She is a daughter of Abraham, Jesus said. Jesus qualified her healing not by what she had done, but by whose she was. Not by what she had done, but by whose she was, she was a daughter of Abraham. Abraham is the father of the faith. Abraham is the man that God had a covenant with. Through Abraham, God released the blessing. He said, "I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And all the nations of the world will be blessed because of you." Which was a prophetic utterance of Jesus Christ being of the lineage of Abraham, being of the line of the line of the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, would release the blessing of God on all nations and. And all families and all people that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And God, look, Jesus looked at this woman and said, she's a daughter of Abraham. The blessing of God has been released. She's got a divine inheritance because of who Abraham is and because of what God did in his life so that she now has a right to be healed, delivered, and set free. Not because of what she had done, but because of whose daughter she was. So let me ask you a question. Look at that next point on your outline. Here's an important question. So should a child of God, should an heir and a joint heir with Jesus be poor, naked, hungry, bound, sick, depressed, oppressed, or defeated? I believe the answer is very simple. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If a daughter of Abraham had the right to be healed, delivered, and set free, how much more do the sons and daughters of the Most High God have a right to be healed, delivered, and set free? How much more? I mean, just think about it in the natural just think about it in the natural. Think about, think about the richest person you know. Not, not some celebrity, somebody that you know lives in our community. Think about the richest person you know. Could you have ever imagine that person's child being naked, being hungry? If they got sick, they'd get the best medical care. If they got in trouble, they would move heaven and earth and use every resource they had to help their child get better, get well, get delivered, get free. Whatever it was, whatever needed to happen, it would happen. But guess what? That's not just true of rich people. That's true of godly people. Right? Think about it. Isn't that what godly parents do? Isn't that what godly parents do? Godly parents take everything they got to make sure that their kids have every need met. See, I grew up in an awesome home. My, my dad's here this morning. And, uh, and we grew up in a great home. We weren't rich. We weren't poor. We were a good middle class family. And we didn't have everything everybody else had, but we had a lot more than most people had. But, but I remember me and my sister, we had this little kind of little, little uh, not really a joke, but we just, we just talked about it growing up. My mom had this blue dress. And every time we go to a wedding or we go to a funeral, we go somewhere where you were supposed to dress up, my mom always wore that blue dress. And as kids, we kind of remember joking about, man, I wish mama, won't she ever get a new dress? Mama, won't you get a new dress? Mama, you always wear that same old dress. Mama, you wearing that dress again? My mom called it Old Faithful. <laughs> and what we didn't understand because of our immaturity, right? Because you need to grow up. What we didn't understand because of our immaturity is that though my mom and dad worked hard and my dad's the hardest working man on the planet that I know, there wasn't always enough finances to buy us a new outfit and them a new outfit. So if it came down to choosing between who ate and who didn't eat, who got new clothes and who didn't new, get new clothes, who got new shoes and who didn't get new shoes, it was a no-brainer decision. My mom and dad always went without so we could have what they didn't have. Amen? Amen? And isn't that what godly parents do? Godly parents will do without everything in order to make make sure their children have everything that they need. Now let me just challenge us for a second. How dare we think that we love our kids more than God loves us? How dare we think that we're better parents than God is? How dare we think that we would sacrifice for our children so that every need could be met and yet God in heaven who has everything that anybody could ever have would somehow withhold from us the things that we need and he is a loving heavenly father. What a deception we have believed. Now we would never say that. We would never say, oh, I love my kids more than God loves me. But you know what? We act like it. Because somehow we think that we don't qualify for all the provision and promise that God has. And God will heal them, but probably not me. And God will bless them, but maybe not me. And God will work for them, but I'm not sure about me. If the daughter of Abraham had a right to be healed, how much more? Do the sons and daughters of God have a right and have an inheritance in Jesus Christ for all the promises of God to be yes and amen? So here's the question. Next point on your outline, why? Why why are so many Christians still living in what Jesus died to set us free from? Why are so many Christians still living in poverty and hunger and depression and sickness and disease and defeat? Why are so many Christians living so far below their inheritance? Why? Why is that happening? Why is it that in a world where we see people that love God and and are committed to God and and read their Bible and pray, why are they still living below the standard of their inheritance? I believe there's two reasons. We're going to talk about one today, and we're going to talk about the other one next week. And if you're filling out the outline, the handout you got, the last point on your outline is going to be our first point next week, so we're not going to fill that in today. I've got you another point you'll have to write in. Last point, look at this. Why are so many Christians living below the inheritance? Why are they still living in poverty and nakedness and hunger? Why are they still bound and depressed and oppressed and defeated? I believe it comes down to two things. Here's the first one. We don't understand our inheritance. We don't understand our inheritance and we don't believe that we have the right to receive what Jesus has freely given us. We don't understand our inheritance. See, I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced most Christians don't understand their inheritance. And the reason we don't understand our inheritance is because somehow we think that we can earn our inheritance, that our inheritance is based on our performance. But that's absolutely not true. Our inheritance is not based on our performance. Our inheritance is based on His sacrifice. Our inheritance is based on the price that He paid. The sacrifice that He made. The work that He did. The effort that He gave. See, we have an inheritance today that we didn't earn. We couldn't work for. You could never be good enough to get it. We have an inheritance in Christ that is freely given to whosoever will believe in and accept Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. To them, He gives the right to become the children of God. And he releases to each and every one of us a divine inheritance called the promises of God. All the promises of God are yes and amen to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, the reality is is most of us don't understand it. We don't understand that it can't be earned. It can only be received. You can't work for it. You can't qualify, this is good news, hear this. You can't qualify for it and you can't disqualify from it. Now, Pastor Keith, are you saying, I can just live any way I want to live and do anything I want to do? Absolutely not. Come back next week and I'm going to give you part two. But if you don't get part one, part two will do you no good. You can't qualify and you can't disqualify. Your inheritance has been settled by the one who paid the price and laid down his life to give it to you. He didn't consult your performance when he wrote his will. consult your performance when He wrote His will. He wrote out His will and He left you everything that He had. All the promises of God are yes and amen through Christ Jesus to the glory of God the Father. you got to understand that you got to understand you can't qualify and you can't disqualify yourself from the inheritance but once you understand that then you got to believe it you got to believe that you have a right to receive what jesus has given you got to believe you have a right to receive what jesus has given and the reality is is most christians don't believe it let's just be honest most of us never showed up to the reading of the wheel because we didn't think our name would be in there oh well god knows all the mistakes i've made i'm not even gonna waste my time i know i'm not in the wheel i'm sure god didn't leave me anything you know all those mistakes i've made i mean just yesterday i mean i got mad lost my temper with the kids surely my name's not there See, we got to not only understand our inheritance that we can't earn it, qualify or disqualify from it, but we didn't have to, because of that revelation, we have to believe that we now have a right to receive. We have a right to receive, not based on our performance, based on our inheritance. See, I have a right to receive everything that Jesus did for me, not because I've earned it, but because He left it in the will with my name on it and he put your name on it too whosoever will I'm a whosoever how about you I'm a whosoever whosoever will can come Buy meat and by drink without money, without price drink deeply of the well of God's living water experience everything from healing to deliverance forgiveness, to comfort, to prosperity, to breakthrough. Everything that you need, He has already promised and made available to you. Let me give you one last scripture. We're going to read two translations. Mark eleven twenty-four, 24. New King James, NLT. Therefore I say to you that whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. NLT says it this way. I tell you, you can pray for anything. Jesus is speaking. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. If you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Amen. Amen. The moment you believe you've received it, it's yours. Until you believe it's yours, it's not yours. Until you believe it's yours, it's not yours. Until you believe it's yours, you'll never walk it. Until you believe it's yours, you'll never experience it. Until you believe it's yours, you'll never, you'll never man it'll never manifest in your life. But the moment you believe it that you've received it, it's yours. Why? Because the price has already been paid. The will has already been written. The inheritance has already been given. The promises have already been made. Everything that you need, could ever desire, long for, or want, according to the Word of God, has been made available to you. And all you have to do is believe that you've received it, and then you'll have it. So we want to do two things today as we get ready to close. I want you to just bow your heads for a moment. If you're here today and maybe... Maybe you're here this morning and you you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm on the outside looking in. I've been left out and I've been put out of so many places and so many people and so many things. I never really believed or knew that I could belong anywhere. But maybe today for the first time in your life you realized that by believing in and accepting Jesus as the Lord of your life, today you can have a spiritual family. Today you can become a child of God. The adoption papers have been signed. The fees have been paid. All you've got to do is respond by faith. Say, today I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and I accept his sacrifice for my sin, and I accept his lordship over my life. I want Jesus today to save me from my sin and save me from myself by becoming the Lord of my life. And today I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to enter the family of God. If that's you today, I want you just to stand all over this building. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just stand to your feet. Today, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. This is a divine moment. This is a holy opportunity. Today, you can belong in the family of God. You don't have to stand on the outside looking in. The pathway has been paved, and whosoever will can come. And all you have to be willing to do is believe that He is who He says He is, and accept His forgiveness and His Lordship over your life let's be honest left to ourselves we all self-destruct we need God we need God we need the forgiveness of our past and we need a Lord and a leader to take us into our future His name is Jesus if that's you I want to give you about five more seconds to stand if you're watching online I want to encourage you right now just to cry out to the Lord if you'll just simply ask Jesus to come into your heart and your life and be your Lord and Savior. He will meet you right where you are. And today you can become a child of God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to just shift gears for just a moment. I realize that most of us in this room today are Christians. But I want to ask you a very honest question. Somewhere along the line of your Christianity, have you believed the lie that somehow your performance determines your inheritance? And you know, without a shadow of a doubt today, that you are living below your inheritance. You're not walking in and you're not walking out the fullness that you know God has for you. And maybe fear, maybe insecurity. Maybe mistakes and failures from your past have kept you from believing that you have a right to receive what Jesus has done for you. But today, you say enough is enough. Today, you realize it's not your performance, it's your inheritance that qualifies you to receive all that God has. Your healing, your deliverance, your breakthrough, your freedom, soundness of mind, wholeness of heart, restoration in your family. Everything that God has promised in His Word is yes and amen his sons and his daughters. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Keith, I wanna step into my full inheritance. I want you just to stand up all across this building. I wanna step into my full inheritance. I wanna step into my full inheritance. People are standing up all over this building. I wanna step into my full inheritance today. I wanna step into my full inheritance. I realize there's areas in my life I'm living below the standard of my inheritance And maybe I've allowed fear or failure or mistakes. Maybe I've allowed condemnation or judgment from the enemy to keep me from believing that I have a right to receive all that Jesus has promised me. But today I'm going to stand on my feet. I'm going to stand on my feet as an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand on my feet as an heir of God and a person who has a right to receive everything that God has promised. Not my performance, my inheritance that was purchased through the blood of Jesus Let's just lift our hands right now as I pray over you. Let's just receive all that God has. Father, today in the name of Jesus, we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of believing the lies of the enemy. God, forgive us for allowing guilt and condemnation and shame and fear to rob us from stepping in and receiving all that you have. Today, we believe and we receive our inheritance. Everything that you have promised, Father, we declare today, we have a right to receive our inheritance because of what Jesus Christ has done. Father, we have a right to receive our inheritance because of what Jesus Christ has done. And Lord, today by faith, we lay hold of our inheritance. We believe we receive it. And God, I declare, we shall have it. It shall be done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on. Let's give the Lord praise this morning. Turn around, high five your neighbor, say you've got an inheritance and you are dismissed. God bless you today.